0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Best Of. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. And for those of you who weren't able to listen to every podcast that I did this week, don't worry. I'm not too mad about it. I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not mad. Just disappointed. But I still got you covered. We got you every week here with a Best Of, where I'm going to give you a taste of everything that was in the podcast feed, starting with this week's Raw Roundup. So next, Uh, AJ gets on the mic and he points out that they've had this Rhea Ripley problem and how it hasn't been a fair fight between the OC and Judgment Day until now. Mia Yim then hops the barricade, a returning Mia Yim hops the barricade and attacks Rhea Ripley from behind. A brawl breaks out after that, leaving Balor and Styles alone in the ring and they fight it out briefly before Finn dips out of the ring. Balor then gets hit from behind by Carl Anderson. And AJ hits the Styles Clash on Dominic before Judgment Day retreat. Mia Yim is back. Man, I said it on Twitter, but like Triple H is earning those W's constantly, man. Constantly. Mia Yim is such a good worker. Mia Yim is entertaining. Mia Yim never got a shot the first time around. I'm stoked to see Mia Yim being brought back and being positioned in a fairly prominent position. Didn't mean to say position there twice, but you get what I mean. Mia Yim is back, and she's being featured in a prominent position, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. Another huge W for Triple H. Mia Yim, Didn't really get a fair shake the first time around. But now that she's paired with the OC and she's opposite Judgment Day, I really think that it's going to be different this time around. She's a really talented person. And I'm excited to see her back, dude. Like, I think that she has continued to prove her worth since she's been gone. She's been doing stuff over at Impact. She's been continuing to put on good matches And I can't wait to see what she does opposite Rhea Ripley. I can't wait to see her on the main roster getting to do, getting to be the version of her character that she sees fit. Not retribution, not reckoning. Uh, She gets to be a real Mia Yim on the main roster. And I think that she will connect with people. She knows how to connect with the audience. She has done it wherever she goes. She will be a valuable par- part of the roster. I think that also, like, the women's division needed more talent. And he has been building the women's divisions up, dude. Like, we an Emma back. We getting Mia Yim back. We got Dakota Kai brought back. Io called up. So many things happening on the women's division, and I'm loving it. But really, really, really good call to bring Mia Yim back to WWE. Kathy Kelly then tracks... Rollins down backstage, and he claims there will still be an open challenge later in the show. Well, at least that's what he says. Next, Otis versus Elias. Gable got on the apron, and Elias hit him with a knee from the top rope, but this distracted Elias long enough for Otis to attack him from behind. Otis then hit his finisher for the pinfall victory. Uh, not a lot to analyze here, but I mean, I think that the, the real takeaway from this match was how much Otis kept getting put over on commentary talking about, you know, how, how serious of a competitor he is and people need to be taking, sh- making sure they, they take him seriously and, um, talking about, you know, his, his, um, his, his accolades before WWE and, and what he did as a collegiate wrestler. And there was a lot of building going on. For Otis too, and I've said this for the past couple months now since Triple H came back, it's felt like Alpha Academy has been getting a low key, serious push the whole time. Like they've been consistently used, um, not treated like enhancement talent, taken as serious competitors, Um, and and I think that's great. I think you know when you want to maximize everyone's value, that's what you want to do. And so, even a short match like this doesn't hurt Elias at all. And it helps Otis, even if he won by cheating. Next, Judgment Day are asked about Mia Yim backstage, and they're all super pissed off. Everyone's all pissed off. Poppy or, or, or Dominic's mad about the way they're talking to Mommy. And then Rhea says, Ria calmly says, bring in Mia Yim, bring in the whole army, and see if I care. Made her look badass. She was the only one calm. About the situation. And then before they're done. Because they all start walking off. Bianca Belair walks into the frame briefly. And her and Rhea have a little stare down. Foreshadowing for the future. Give me that though. Rhea Ripley's been out of the title scene. For way too long. Even though I love everything she's been doing with Judgment Day. The time has come. For her to be challenging. For the women's title again. I'm assuming. uh, Unless... So, two things here. One, the way we get there is Rhea is the last person for Team Bailey for Team Damage Control, alongside Nikki Cross. That's an option. And then after that, it transitions into something between Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. That's possible. But I do think it's more likely that we'll see Rhea and Bianca after war games. That makes more sense. Triple H has been doing a good job of kind of like foreshadowing things. So rather than forcing that in, I could definitely see that being the plan for after war games. Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka come out next. They say they have something they want to say to Damage Control who answer the call after an exchange of words. Asuka and Io get into it in Japanese. And then a fight breaks out between both teams. That Japanese argument was amazing. <laughs> I loved it. It's one of those small things where it's like we've heard we've heard Asuka kind of like go off in Japanese before, but to hear Io give it back to her in Japanese and they're both doing it, and then you can almost hear Asuka go like, Oh, you wanna speak Japanese too? And then she's like, Yeah, and they're kinda going back. <laughs> And you have Asuka with the baka baka, and then Io with just the cold bitch to Asuka. So fun. Great little moment there between the two of them. When they eventually have some kind of like feud over the women's title, it's going to be awesome. We're not there yet, obviously. Uh, Bianca then challenges Team Damage Control to a War Games match, and Nikki Cross comes out of nowhere and joins Damage Control to give them the advantage in their attack. Bailey says she'll see Bianca at War Games. And officially, that match was made on social afterwards. So, right now, we've got Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka, and then two unnamed competitors against Damage Control and Nikki Cross. So, one more person needed for Team Damage Control, two more needed. For the opposing team, for Team Bianca in War Games, I just, so I think there's two, one of two things that could play out here. I just I don't know the status of a lot of people, and I'm not a newsman anymore, and I'm not going to even go off of news reports. I'm just kind of going to go off of story wise and maybe what I'm thinking wise. And that's there's two options that seem to be present here. The first option. If we're just going based off of what I've seen on TV, the most prevalent options to me would be Candice LeRae returning from injury since she was attacked. And then um, Becky Lynch returning from injury since she was attacked by damage control. Those are the final two. You know, the two people who damage control took out. That seems to be the most story logical thing. Don't know what Becky Lynch's injury status is whatsoever. I've seen different reports, don't know which is accurate, no inside uh, info whatsoever. To me, just from watching everything, if the story plays out correctly, then it should be Becky Lynch returning from injury to get revenge for damage control, taking her out somehow. Bailey wins the women's title after that and then we get Bailey versus Becky Lynch for the women's title in a new program. That's kind of what I could see going forward there, right? However, at the same time, obviously, the the biggest thing related to the women's tag team titles in the last year was the fact that Sasha Banks and Naomi left the company while still holding the belts, then they went and they got vacated eventually once Triple H take over, took over. There's a tournament. And I just think it would be huge if Triple H, because he's the one bringing everyone back, if he somehow got Sasha and Naomi back in the fold, it would be huge if the female War Games match was damage control, Nikki Cross, and whoever against Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, and a returning Sasha Banks. And Naomi, that would be the biggest possible option, I think. Doesn't even matter storyline wise that that there that there might not be the thing there like there is with Becky and Candice. I think that because it was such a big news story and because it was such a big thing and because of the history of Bailey and Sasha, you don't necessarily even need more of a reason than that, especially to be on Team Bianca. Bianca and Sasha main evented WrestleMania it's all there, so you don't really need the same, you don't really need the same, you know, story behind it, especially when you factor in that Dakota and Io are the women's tag team champions right now. All right, next, here's a portion of this week's interview on Out of Character. You know, I know that they say, that you know everyone's character in in wrestling or WWE is you know themselves with the volume turned up. But how much of your real true self was in your character over the years?
1: It really was. I mean, I was always um, you know I was always into scary stuff. I, I liked scary movies and um, uh, you know I, I just I, I was always just enthralled by. Um, mystery and, 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 and scare. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was more, it was more theater of the mind, right. You know, later on, you just, you know, the movies, they kind of went into full gore and they didn't leave anything for the, for you to think about. I mean, they showed you everything. Um, but early on, you know, they would, you know, they would cut things off and just kind of let your mind figure it out. So uh, but yeah. I was always fascinated even with death and, and, um, you know, there was a time, um, where I had family members that actually worked in a funeral home. So I was around caskets and I was in embalming rooms and uh, little did I know at that point where my, my career and my future was going to go, but, uh, it, it's funny how things work out, but yeah, I mean, the undertaker is, uh, 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 a lot of things blown up uh, to the the hundredth degree for sure. How old were you the first time
0: you were in an embalming room?
1: Oh my goodness!
0: Uh,
1: kindergarten, God, probably. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's crazy how things work out. And uh, I remember, uh, I, I remember as a little kid, uh, you know, they were going to have a service. Uh, <laughs> and they had already they had already brought in the casket and you know the deceased was in the casket but the the service wasn't going to start for another couple of hours so there was nobody in uh, in the chapel and my little morbid self decided I wanted to go up and you know see up close and so I worked my courage up and I worked my way all the way up to this casket and peeked in and could have swore that the that the corpse inside moved, and I took <laughs> off like <laughs> I took off like a scalded rabbit. But uh, 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 it's just it's just funny. I mean, that's it's funny what uh, I guess life prepares you for.
0: Yeah, that's definitely funny that you were around funeral homes from such a young age, and then it became such a big part of you as your character. Uh, that's definitely,
1: yeah,
0: I, mean, I, that's yeah. interesting because like I said, you know, the whole yourself with the volume turned up, I would have thought the complete opposite, but to hear that you were actually, you know, fascinated by death at such a young age is, you know, interesting for me to hear.
1: Yeah, I really, I, I, you know, and I, really don't talk about that, that, that often it doesn't normally, it doesn't normally come up, but it, it it's kind of ironic when I start thinking about it, the, the things that were placed in my life, um, you know later on in life once i started doing this at the under you know when i became the undertaker and, you know we had some long arduous days of tv production and um you know there were you know there were a few times where you just some you just have hours where you don't do anything and um I, on more than one occasion i may or may not have pulled out a you know a casket and took a little nap in there and um uh, <laughs> didn't think anything about it right there's just is it comfortable it's to lay in? Cool, I feel dark like it wouldn't comfortable.
0: be comfortable.
1: No, nah, well, you know, I had some big caskets, I had some big <laughs> opponents early on, so I had some really big caskets, uh, that they they had on you know around. So, yeah, they 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 served a dual purpose at times.
0: <laughs> I'll never forget, you know, being a child, and you're actually one of the people who uh, got my fascination with the behind the scenes of wrestling started because when I was a kid. Um, my dad was a producer for Ronda Shear up all night and they had a show in LA out here and he took me to it and I, my very first wrestling show I got to be behind the scenes and I remember you and Yokozuna were you know um, you know, opponents at the time you guys didn't like each other you were feuding and I got to walk through the backstage area and you guys were sitting there playing cards together and I remember going wait but they don't like each other what's going on here and I remember that was the day where like wrestling was always different from me and why I enjoy covering wrestling because it was like Oh, these people do like each other sometimes crazy. And it really got my mind going from a young age.
1: Yeah. Yoko and I were, yeah, I mean, Yoko and I were, were very close and there's not a day I don't think about him. Um, you know, it, that's not always the case. So there's a lot of guys that you don't like that you don't play cards. with. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to be that Yoko, Zuma and I were, uh, uh, we were we were really close and we spent a lot of we, we spent a lot of time uh downtime playing dominoes and playing cards and um you know that's the the origins of the of the famous bsk was was dominoes and and, and a group of guys that kind of like minded guys that hung out together and um but yeah it it it, it, it would be funny because if if i won you know, if I wanted cards before we went out and worked, uh, it was going to be a long night for me. <laughs> y- Yoko could impose his will uh, when he wanted to. So, um, you know, he might sit on that bonsai drop a little longer than normal. If I, would uh, you know, if I'd taken a few bucks off of him while we were playing cards. But, uh, yeah, Which is understandable. Was, I think uh, anyone
0: would react that way. You know, I'm sure you'd probably slam him a little bit harder if uh, he had beaten you.
1: Oh, yeah yeah but there's all you know yoke was <laughs> he was just a different kind of cat you there wasn't a whole lot you could do to him um I just basically what I try to do to him to get back at him is is make him run around the ring and chase me <laughs> and, and try and make him tired that was about all I could do because uh yoke you know big rod was a man's man and uh you know you know the samoans man they they don't play so but uh, I, I, I tell you what, I, I really miss, uh, I, I miss him and and uh, and the good times that we shared together.
0: Well, you know, in talking about your real, true self and you know you behind the character, what words would you use to describe your off-screen personality?
1: My off-screen personality—just you at um, home,
0: you with your friends. What, how, how would you describe yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a. I'm a lot lighter. Uh, I'm not nearly as dark, um, as what you see on TV. Uh, I I love cutting up. I love playing, uh, you know, I love playing practical jokes on people. Uh, just, you know, at at this point now there was a, there was a long period of time there where it was hard for me to shut Undertaker off. Um, I, I mean, I kind of live, you know, it's kind of chronicled well chronicled now that I, I live that character and, and that sometimes bled over into my personal life. But, uh, at, at this point, um, you know, I'm rediscovering who Mark Calloway is and, uh, a lot of the things that I sacrificed, uh, for the sake of my career and, and, and that character I'm, I'm getting to do now. And and it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting to finally spend time with my children and, uh, you know, that, that, and, and my wife just, you know, quality time, not time where I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, I, you know, I've got this opponent coming up and you know, what can I do different here? It's just, you know, it, it's just a, uh, I guess I'm in the, in the middle of a, of a deep exhale. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of like, <sighs> not that. Yeah. I, Cause I, I do. I miss, I miss being in the ring. And if it was, if my body would allow it I would probably still still be out there but uh it's nice being at home um and not having to worry about uh you know what I have to do next as far as you know being in the ring and all that it, it's nice to be able to go hunting and fishing and and hang out with my kids and go to the beach and do all those things that uh you know I mean they're still they're, they're still kind of difficult obviously I've been on TV for 30 plus years. So it's kind of hard to to, to blend in and hide. But uh, I, I make a much, much bigger effort now to do those kind of things uh, while I still can. Yeah.
0: I want to ask some more questions about current Mark Calloway, but you mentioned something that I also wanted to touch on. So before we breeze past it, you know, when we started mm-hmm. this conversation, you mentioned, you know, early nineties, you figuring things out. And then just now you mentioned how, you know, eventually it was hard to shut off the character and that you were just always in undertaker mode. At what point did you kind of d- decide that you were going to have to live this character 24 seven?
1: Um, I, Honestly, it was, I guess it was before 91 when I, when I wrestled uh, when, before I wrestled Hogan at survivor series and, and won the title, I, I had already felt the, the, the momentum and just the 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 difference that my character presented as opposed to a lot of the other characters i mean i i realized um and and that was always my goal was to be different uh, you know i i i always studied one i studied whoever was on top right so I, you know i studied warrior and i studied hogan and i studied jake the snake and i i was i was watching what they were doing and was always thinking like all right what what am I going to do? What am I going to present that's different than everything stereotypical? Stereotypically, you think of a professional wrestler, and then you know, then it's, then it started coming, you know, to me. And I'm studying Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and all these different things. And you know, back then it was a lot. It, it was a lot easier because everyone didn't have cell phones back then, and. You know, you're not being recorded almost anytime you're in in public like you are now. But I did want to present when people did see me in the airport or when they saw me out and about. um, You know, although I wasn't dressed in my TV undertaker garb, it wasn't much different. I mean, I always dressed in black. I always I mean, there was no doubt who it was. And then I presented myself in a way where like. Dude that dude, that really, yeah, he is you know he's not right and and, <laughs> <laughs> and but in my mind, I had to do that to give that character credibility, because the character itself was so over over the top, you know I, it was, in my mind, I said, well, I've got to make people believe, and it was crazy what people believed, and I mean half of people was, Are you really dead' <laughs> I mean, I got that. I Honestly, I got that quite a bit.
0: Lastly, here's a portion of the SmackDown Roundup. Shotzi and Ronda Rousey set for Survivor Series War Games. What do we think about it? Well, first, let's talk about this. Shotzi celebrates backstage. She gets approached by Emma, who asks if she knows where Madcap is at. Looks like we're going to see... Something between Emma and Madcap going forward, who are in a real-life relationship, so that makes sense. But Shayna walks up after that, Shayna Baszler, to tell Shotzi what she actually won was a broken arm or a broken ankle. Something like that is going to happen at Survivor Series. And Shotzi says that she belongs here, so she's going to prove it by handling Ronda. Shayna tells her to turn around and say it to Ronda's face. And when she turns around, yes, Rousey is right there. By the time she realizes it, Shayna quickly chokes her out. They say, down on Isle Green. <laughs> and then uh, Shayna and Rhonda walk away. I like this. I mean, I think Shotzi is a star in the making. Like, I've thought that since the first time I saw her in NXT. I uh, You know, I didn't dislike the heel thing at all. But having her back, babyface with the tank... Cool Pyro, like that's a star right there. Like that baby face is a star. People are are into it. The crowds are backing her. People are liking it. And, and I think that this is gonna be a good match. I think that, you know, um, especially if there's not gonna be a full build. I mean, Ron does Ronda's not losing the title anytime soon. Not at least at least not until WrestleMania. So, I think that, you know, with this short build, I mean, Survivor Series is, what, two weeks away? Um, Shotzi will gain a little bit from this, uh, and I think that the War Games match for the women is going to be on the Raw side anyways, so this at least, you know, gives her something to do for the next few weeks, gives Rhonda something to do for the next few weeks, and everyone gains from it. We see next week there's going to be Shayna versus Shotzi. Solid match right there, but really, like, I'm just really happy to see people being positioned in the way that has the most potential to make them a star, to make them to help them get over on the main roster. Um, Shayna and Ronda as a duo is so money. Like everything they do feels natural together. They absolutely feel like the school bully um, who actually can beat you up. So it sucks because there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, Shayna was. Shanna ruled in NXT and now that she's got that same character again, but with Ronda by her side, pff, money. Like so money. And Shotzi too, dude. Like Shotzi with the tank, with the with the hat, like everything. It's just it it, it fits her because she's so comfortable doing it. And it's what the people have wanted to see her do. And so yeah, man, I'm I'm super into the idea of Rhonda Rousey versus Shotzi. At Survivor Series. All right, next, Ricochet was interviewed by Kayla Braxton, who says he'll face off against Mustafa Ali next week in the SmackDown World Cup. Ricochet says, this is an opportunity for him to get back what is his. And honestly, <laughs> when he said that, I thought to myself, what do you mean? Like, you lost. <laughs> and I'm a huge Ricochet fan. But I thought to myself, What do you mean, what's his? Like, I I mean, like, he technically lost that. And then I liked it when Gunther walks up after that and literally reads my mind. He walks into frame saying, What exactly do you mean, what's yours? Because I'd love to beat you again, like the last time we faced off. And then he walks off screen. Man, they're doing so good with the presentation of Gunther. Gunther is so good but just like the presentation of him too they're treating him to uh, they're he's not quite roman reigns don't get me wrong but i'm just saying in terms of like dominance of a group and um like dominance of a group and just like how intimidating they are as a as a unit and how imposing they are like it it does remind me on that same level of just kind of like you know, this is not a team to be messed with, and so uh, I really like what they're doing with Imperium, but I really do think that Gunther is being, you know, fully bred to be a future world champion, and you can see it with this run with the IC title and all the prominence he's quickly brought back to that belt. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Before I get out of here, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast feed if you enjoyed this little taste of of the roundups. You'll get full Raw and SmackDown roundups every week. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed and check those out. I put a lot of work into them. So I hope that you're enjoying them. And if you are enjoying them, make sure you leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I think you can only leave an actual review on Apple Podcasts, but leave a a rating on Spotify. Just let people know you like this show, please. I want more people to listen to it. (laughs) Also, make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday, Wednesday, on videos, so go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, there's also clips from Raw and Smackdown there, there's clips from Out of Character, there's YouTube Shorts, there's a Community Tab, everything that you would want out of a YouTube channel in wrestling is there on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, so go make sure you subscribe, and also follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we're on all of them, so make sure You are following us there. All right. You go have a great Sunday, and we'll be back Monday, tomorrow, to talk about Monday Night Raw once it's over.